Good morning, everyone. It's good to see everybody here this morning. As we have a couple things before we begin our worship service, we'd like to ask you to uh, turn your phones on silent or completely off. The most embarrassing thing is is standing up here saying a prayer and your phone's on. I know. That happened a long time ago. But anyway... We ask that you quiet those if you would, please. And we're thankful that you're here this morning to worship with us. Just a couple things. This evening, Chris, where are you going to be? Chris will be at Greasy Ridge. Mark Day will be here from Flatwoods. If you haven't heard Mark in a year or so, he'll be here tonight. It's always good to have him and the... Preacher rotation that we've done for some time in this area. We, we like it. We also have the McNeil family from Rio Grande. Sean and his wife, Wendy, and, and the kids, and they're here usually once a year. So the rest of the time, I guess they're at church. <laughs> now, Sean and I talk from time to time. They're a good family, but they always stop and visit us on their outing on Sunday afternoon at Camden Park with where he works and things, but it's good to have him here this morning. Before we begin, I'd like to read John 14, verses 1 through 6, if you'd like to follow along. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, And how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Will you bow with me, please? Father, we're thankful for this beautiful day of life that you've given us. We're thankful for your son who came and died for each of us. We're thankful for this opportunity to come and have worship service to you. We pray, Father, that the things we do will be pleasing unto you in accordance with your will. Bless each and every one that's here. Bless those that wanted to be but couldn't be. Go with us. Bless our sick and our shut-ins. Forgive us of our sins. In thy son's name we pray, and amen. Would you stand for the first song, please? first song this morning will be number 531. 
531, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, ye heavens note there's a Chrysler Pacifica outside and their door is open and it's starting to rain so if you own that vehicle you might want to go shut the door next song is number 883 seek ye first 883 after this Dickie will have our reading and prayer
This morning's reading comes from Philippians 2, Philippians 2, 25 through 30, Philippians 2, 25 through 30. Before the reading, let's go to God in prayer. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this day, for this opportunity to hear your words and sing songs of praise. Father, we ask and hope that everything done here this morning is in accordance and pleasing to thy sight. Father, we ask that you allow us to have an open ear and an open heart that we may hear your word today, that we may apply it to our lives, that we may better serve thee, Father. Father, we know the will that you have for us is to, to be that light and to bring people to you. And Father, that, that is our desire as we, we, hear, we, we sit here this morning and hear your word. Father, we thank you for men like Chris and David that bring us your word. And we ask that you give them strength and knowledge as they continue to do so. Father, we ask that you be with the church here today, with its elders, that you watch over and guide and direct them, and that they do the will that you set before them, Father, that they may strengthen and do your will. Father, we ask that you be with those that are sick, those that are fighting cancer, those that are shut in. We ask that you watch over them and comfort them and bless them, Father. And, and if it's your will, Father, we ask that you return a portion of their well-being, that they may return to us, Father they may get stronger and join the body again, Father. Father, we ask that you be with those that have not obeyed your will. Father, we it's, that it's our desire that, and your desire that something may prick their heart, that may bring them to you. Father, we ask that uh, something may be said or done that would, would do that today. Father, we thank you for the love of Jesus and all that he did for us, that he sacrificed and was buried and rose again for us, Father. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Philippians 2, 25. Yet I consider it necessary to send you to Euphrates, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you and was distressed because you, you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick, almost unto death, but God had mercy on him. Not only him, but also me, also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I send him the more eagerly, that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem, because for the work of Christ, he came close to death, but regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service towards me. Next song this morning is number 916. 916, come share the Lord. We gather here in Jesus' name. His love is burning in our hearts like living flame. For through the loving God, the Father makes us one. Come take the bread, come drink the cup, come share the Lord. Lord. 
is one string. It snaps very easily. So I take four of those same strings and twist them around. I can't break them. Okay? Just four. When my children were very young, I used to wrestle with them a lot. And, and it was fun. They always tried to see if they could get dad down on the ground. So one at a time, they'd come at me, and I'd slam them to the ground like we did. Yeah, but I, I kept telling them, guys, if you work together, you can defeat me. And it finally clicked in their head that the four of them together outweighed me, and they could get me down on the ground. They worked together. I bring up that thought because I was thinking about Jesus and his last day on this earth. And he taught several different lessons or had several different uh, thoughts that I want to share with you. And there are three things that stick out to me the most about Jesus' last day on this earth. One of the first things he did is he taught his disciples about humility and serving one another when he washed his feet. And then he, and the second thing was when he established the, the, his last meal with his disciples. He explained to them, this is going to be a memorial for you. When you partake of it, you're going to remember me. But the third thing, and this is one of the last things he did when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying, one of the, the, one of the last things he said, he prayed to God, was for unity. That all believers would be one, would be joined together as one. And he knew this was important. He knew that together we're stronger. Together we can withstand the, the wiles of the devil. This communion we're about to partake of, which represents Jesus' body, which was sacrificed, it's, it's important. It's the most important thing. But doing it together is equally important, I think. Because together we're unified. We're one. And I know God is pleased when all of his children are together. Let's bow our heads now as we give thanks for the bread. Our Father, we come before you in humble prayer, Father. We're so grateful for all that you've blessed us with, Father. We are, we are so blessed in this nation. And Father, we thank you so much for, for Jesus who died for us, who gave his body on that cross that we might remember the he was the final sacrifice for us. We pray, Father, as we partake of this bread, the emblem of your son's body, help us to do it in unity. Help us do it in love with one another and in love toward you, Father. Please be with our hearts and our minds as we partake. In Christ's name we pray, and amen. On the cross, Jesus was still thinking of others. Even while he was hanging there in torment, he was thinking of others. He was thinking of his mothers. He was concerned about his disciples. He loved us up to the very end, and he still loves us today. We need to remember that great sacrifice as we now partake of this 
fruit of the vine, which represents to us his blood that was shed on that cross. Let's again pray. Our wonderful Father, we are so unworthy, Father, of this, the sacrifice that was made for us. But Father, we, we nonetheless thank you so much for it. We pray that we will be worthy of it. Pray we'll be mindful of it. Pray that we will continually, every day, every chance we have to, to be together with our brothers and sisters, to be in love with each other and with you, Father, and show the love that Jesus showed us. We thank you so much for this fruit of the vine, Father, which is, represents his blood. We pray that we, again, will do so in a manner, manner worthy. It's in Christ and we pray. And amen. We have a common savior, we have a common goal, and we have common bills. <laughs> Church has obligations, things to pay for, things that we want to do to help others, and we do that by sharing together of our funds. The Lord has blessed us greatly in this country. Many of us have nice jobs, homes. We've just been blessed really well. And now it's an opportunity for us to give back to, to the church here that we might help spread the word. Uh, we have in the back there boxes where you may put your contribution if you've not already done so. Please be sure to do that at the end of service. Now let's go to pray, God in prayer one more time, please. <clears throat> Again, Father, we thank you for all you've blessed us with, for all that we have, for our fellow brothers and sisters we are so grateful. And for Jesus, Father, we pray that the money that is gathered this day will be used wisely. We pray, Father, that the church here will grow in our number and our love toward you. Father, we pray that you'd watch over that all that we do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. next song this morning is number 44. If you would, let stand, please. Number 44, Anywhere is Home. At this time, the children may go to Children's Bible Hour. Earthly wealth and
number 44 in the songbook. Please. Let's finish this last verse. And I don't trust them, so you better get your songbook. <laughs> 44. I will labor Trust and obey. Good morning. I guess uh, with all the uh, kids going back to school, I've been turning nostalgic. I was thinking about my freshman year at Free Hardman University, and I was thinking um, about uh, meeting my roommates for the first time, and I found out that those guys were into lifting weights and running and exercising. I wasn't quite there yet, but I was going to get there over the next semester or so. And that's one of the things that we really enjoy doing. We spent a lot of time in the weight room. We spent a lot of time around the track. You can't tell it anymore, but that was 15 or 20 years ago, so cut me some slack. Um, <laughs> but we spent a lot of time doing that stuff. And the weight room at, at Freed uh, is really, or used to be really small. Like, I don't know, it, it was small. Uh, they had most of the right equipment, but they didn't have all the right equipment, and so uh, I think it was my sophomore year when a, a gym down the road is about five or six times the size of the little gym we used to work out in, at, used to work out in, in Freed, uh, they opened up and Freed bought that gym, uh, and the tuition for that gym was actually already built into my package at Freed, and so my tuition paid for the, the membership into that gym. And so we could go down there kind of whenever we wanted to, and we could have we had access to all the right, um, uh, uh, wow, all the right all the right weights and all the right uh, machines, all those kinds of things. And we thought this is amazing. We can come down whenever we want to, and we can work out, and we can run on the treadmills, we can run around the track, we can do all these things. And it had multiple rooms where we could do this kind of stuff in. And I thought this is amazing. Membership's a nice thing, isn't it? I didn't really realize it until that day, but membership is a nice thing. Today we're talking about church membership and what it means and what it looks like. Sometimes we take, when we hear the word membership, sometimes we think of maybe more like my gym experience or maybe like a country club experience. You, you paid your dues and you can kind of do whatever you want to do there, right? And if you can't do what you want to do, you 
you kind of get frustrated, right? Um, that's not the way the church functions. When we say you're a church member, you say I'm a member of the church, we are saying that there are some obligations. There are some responsibilities that each one of us has as a member of this local congregation. So that's, that's kind of where we're, where we're going with this thought this morning. We are not, the church is not, and, and members of the church are not take, take, take. Right? We know people like that that only want to take. That's not what the church is about. The church is about give, give, give. We are members who give. We have responsibilities. We have obligations. And we need to fulfill these responsibilities and these obligations. There's a common thought going around our world today that says something like, I love Jesus but I don't care for the church. And you'll see that as, as you meet a variety of different people. You'll see folks saying, espousing that kind of thought where what they mean is, I want to be a Christian, but I don't necessarily want all the obligations and the responsibilities that come along with me being a Christian, right? So you'll, they'll say it like that. I, I love Jesus, but I don't care for the church. I don't think I need to be a part of the local body of Christ. And that is the wrongest thinking possible, isn't it? Um, it would be akin to someone saying, well, I really like you, but I, don't, I hate your wife. How would that work, right? You can't love me and hate Kelly. I can't love you and hate your wife. And so th that's, that's the kind of thinking that's going on, but it's essentially um, trying to pull themselves away from the obligations that the church has been given by God. It's not us giving these responsibilities to each other, to ourselves, but it's, it's God giving these responsibilities to us. And so what obligations has He given to us, to, to members of His church? Let me take you to a couple of passages. Uh, be turning over to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. That's where we're going to start this morning. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Kelly and I had an opportunity to go uh, hang out with her family. We, we've, we've done this. Uh, this is our second year now. We try to get together with, she's got a brother and a sister and her mom and dad and all of us try to go get our kids together and go to a spot and have a vacation together. And so we did that this year. The plan was to go to Mammoth Cave. If you're planning on going to Mammoth Cave, you need to know something that I didn't know. You have to have a reservation. And so all the reservations were filled up by the time we got there, so we spent our weekend doing various other caves that were also quite fun. Anyhow, we stayed in an Airbnb because there's like a lot of us now. And so we stayed in an Airbnb, and when we got to this Airbnb, it's was built in, I think, 1847 or something. It's over 100 years old, and the people that have... Uh, built this house, that, that have rented out this house, have stocked it full of antiques. And so my 10, 9, 5, and 2-year-old and, uh, and charge into the house, and Dad's right behind them saying, careful, careful, this is 100 years old. Careful, this is $1,000. Careful, this is, you know, and, and then we bring in more kids and several other adults, and I'm just kind of following everybody around going, if you break this, I have to pay for it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, Yeah. That laugh was my daughter. Um, <laughs> so 
we were very careful. I, I focused on how careful you need to be. You had to be gentle with this stuff. They were picking up these boxes and hiding stuff inside of them. And I was like, this is 150 years old. This was around uh, the time of the Civil War this thing was built. So please be careful with this thing. And we needed to be careful with that, with, the, with those artifacts, with those, with those antiques, because they were valuable, right? Your membership here is valuable, let me show you the price that was paid for you to be a member of this congregation. Acts chapter 2, we'll start in verse 47, but let me lay the background work for you for what's going on here. Pentecost, the day of Pentecost has happened. 3,000 plus people have been added to the church by God. We don't add people to the church. He does this. He adds them, adds us to the universal church. And then we start looking for our congregation to plug into and to work with. And you have found Rome, and we're so glad you're here. And the work is so good and so big that we need you, and, and you need us. And so we're, we're very glad and very fortunate that you're here. But let me show you the, the price, the valuable price that was paid for your membership in this place. Let's start to pick up in verse 46. This is after the day of Pentecost. The church has been founded, and, and now they're just kind of functioning like, like they should. Um, but Luke writes something for us here that, that I think is just so interesting. In, in verse 46 he says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. How did he do that? How did he add people who were being saved to the church? What adds us to the church? What allows us to become the church? What, what function? What has happened so that we can be here, so that we can have a relationship with God, so that we can have a relationship with each other? Jesus died so that we could be the church, right? And so your membership here is incredibly valuable. It's, it was paid at a costly price, right? Just like those antiques I was so worried about in that house, these things were valuable. So we treated them very gently, very gingerly, right? We treasured, the, at least I did, <laughs> the 10, 9, 5, and 2-year-old just didn't treasure them at all. But they're children, right? A mature thinker treasures something that is valuable. Everybody with me? Your membership in this place is valuable and you need to treasure it. You need to be working for it. Right? This is something that I think God holds very close to his heart. If you're a member of the church, scripture just assumes that you're an active member of the local church. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter, we're going to spend quite a bit of time in Philippians today. Philippians chapter 2, verse 30. You'll see throughout Scripture obligations and responsibilities that are put upon members of the church. So when we say church, sometimes we mean universal church. We mean the church that meets 
in Scotland uh, at East Kilbride, the congregation that we visited uh, this year and uh, this, this spring. Uh, we mean the universal church. We mean the church across the world, right? We mean Greasy Ridge. We mean us. We mean Flatwoods and Cerrito. We mean the universal church. But when Scripture talks about these responsibilities and these obligations that individual members have, they're pointing to specific congregations because the work that God has given to the church to do is done by individuals in the local church, right? So I know that seems like a really simple concept, but don't allow your mind to wriggle out of this responsibility that we've been given by thinking someone else will do it, right? Someone else cannot do your work. You're a member of this congregation, and you have to fulfill these responsibilities. I'm a member of this congregation, and I have to fulfill my responsibilities. These are things that are put on us, and we ought to be grateful to, to have them. Um, Philippians 2, verse 30. This is the last verse um, that was read for us during our scripture in this morning by Dickie. Um, He's talking about a guy named Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is a member of the Philippian congregation. They have heard what's going on with Paul. He's in prison at this point, and they want to help. They, they send him money. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, but they also send their, their concern, and they send this guy who is a fabulous worker. He's an encourager. He's, he's a helper to Paul, or at least will become a helper to Paul during his time with him. Uh, and he gets so sick because of the work that he's been doing. Uh, he just about dies. But listen to what he says, Paul says uh, here in verse 30. For he nearly died, Epaphroditus nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete, check this part out, what was lacking in your service to me. So Paul is implying and outright saying really that the Philippian congregation has a responsibility to him. Maybe this is where we start. Do you have responsibilities to the local church? Paul would say a resounding yes. You, you have responsibilities to this congregation. And so what might that look like? Well, flip up to Philippians 2 verse 15. Just a couple of verses earlier. And we find one of those responsibilities. Philippians 2, let's start in verse 14. Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God, without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So one of the responsibilities of a member of the local church is to shine as a light to a perverse world. Paul's talking about the Roman world in the first century, right? And how far off base they were from God's truth. They didn't hold God's morals. They didn't, they didn't care about his commands. Is our world a whole lot different than that? It sounds an awful lot like our world to me, doesn't it? There are, and has been for a good long time now, a push away from God's morals and his values and his commands. And people, at least a lot of them, don't seem to care anymore what his commands are. And so Paul says, you shine as lights 
You evangelize. You tell these people what's going on in God, what His commands are, what, what He expects out of people. That's one of the responsibilities that you have as a Christian in the local congregation. You are a light. But look back up into verse 15 and you'll see more. That you be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish, right? So we're pure and, and holy. We're setting the standard as we follow Christ. Uh, you'll see in the book of Philippians, you'll see it again in Corinthians. Paul says, imitate me, right? Imitate me. But he doesn't stop there. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, and that's kind of the thought that we're trying to get across here in Philippians 2.15. We are the standard that the world sees and we better match up to Christ, right? We have to be holy. We have to be pure. We have to be blameless. That's one of the obligations, one of the responsibilities of a local church member, right? Look what else he says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. He's talking about uh, these two ladies that are struggling uh, to get along. Uh, Philippian, uh, the Philippian congregation is an impressive congregation. You would have liked these folks. These are guys who are devoted to the Lord. They are wanting to do what's right, even in the midst of incredible persecution. And they're still young in the faith. Um, when Paul founded this congregation, he didn't get to stay very long because a mob ran him out of town. And so he, um, they baptized the Philippian jailer, remember? They baptized Lydia, a few others. Uh, people down by the river were baptized uh, along with Lydia. Uh, and then Paul is forced to leave this, this city um, because it's no longer safe for him there. The crazy thing is the church remains. It's not safe for them there either, but they continue doing the work of ministry, right? They continue doing being a light. They continue being blameless. They continue being uh, without blemish, even in the midst of this incredible persecution, even in the midst of um, all, all this pain that they're, that they're undoubtedly going through. They're paying a price for following Christ, and they're just newborn Christians. Some of us have been in Christ decades, right? We should be even more solid than they. You would have liked these people, though. They're, they're, these are good, solid people who love Jesus and want to do what's right, but they're having some struggles. And specifically, these two ladies, um, Paul thinks that they have the power to tear apart the church. These, these two people. Sometimes we think the small things can't make a big impact, but Paul would think differently. God thinks differently. He says these two ladies are, have the power to tear apart the church. They need to agree let me read you their, their story a little bit. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. He says, I, I entreat Yodia and I entreat Synecdoche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, whoever he's writing the book of Philippians to, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose name are in the books of life. So he says, these two ladies need to get on the same page. They need to be unified one of our responsibilities, one of our obligations as a member of this congregation is to work toward unity, right? 
Sometimes when something doesn't go exactly our way, we complain about it, don't we? Is that good or bad? This is a black and white situation. This is something that uh, we can see very clearly. When I complain about a ministry or a person in the church, am I helping or am I hurting? I'm hurting, right? Um, I'm, I'm sowing seeds of disunity, right? That's, that's what's going on. Um, and you see it in the children of Israel. They were very good at something that was very bad. And this disunity thing. And so they, they fight and they bicker amongst themselves. They fight and they bicker against Moses. And they even fight and they bicker against God. And you know what he does to them? He leaves them in the wilderness to die for the next 40 years. That's the danger of disunity, right? And so we strive to be unified. We work on this, to all be on the same page, to not fight and bicker against each other, but to, to think the same thing. That's one of our obligations as a local church member is to be on the same page with each other as long as we're on the same page as Christ, right? If we're not on the same page with Jesus, nothing else matters. But if we're on the same page with Him, if we're thinking what He thinks, then we all need to be on that, on that same page. And so one of our obligations is to, to work on our unity. Flip over to Philippians 1, verse 27. Philippians 1, 27. Um, if I'm pointing a finger instead of raising a hand, I'm being part of the problem, right? If I'm pointing a finger, if I'm accusing you, if I'm blasting you, I'm instead of raising my hand and saying, I, I think I can help here. I, I think I can fill this hole. Instead of saying, why haven't you filled that hole? Why aren't you doing something? You see the difference? Pointing a finger, why haven't you done something? As opposed to raising my hand saying, I, I think I can help there. If I'm pointing a finger, I'm being part of the problem. Listen to what he says in Philippians 1 verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind. Listen to this. Striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. We're all going the same direction. We're working toward the same goal. This is who we are. This is what we do. We are the solution to the problem, not part of the problem. Everybody with me? That makes sense? So we don't point fingers we look for opportunities to serve. So many times, there's a hole somewhere. There's, there's, there's not necessarily a problem, but a, an opportunity uh, to do something. And somebody will say, well, why aren't we doing something there? When we should be saying, I can do something there. See the difference? Let's not point fingers. Let's raise hands. Let's be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Philippians 2, 19 through 21. Listen to what he says. He's talking about Timothy. He wants, he's worried about the Philippian congregation. <coughs> and he wants to send Timothy to them because Timothy's kind of special. But we all need to be Timothy. We all need this mindset. <clears throat> Philippians 2, 19. 
He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. As a local church member, I need to be seeking Jesus' interests over my own. Right? I need to be going after his agenda even when it's harmful to me. Even when I don't get anything out of the deal. Even when it hurts me, I need to be going after his agenda even when it's hard especially when it's hard for me. I need to be going after His. I need to be seeking His will. I need to be seeking His agenda. Going after His interests instead of fulfilling mine. So those are some of the responsibilities of the local church member. So you begin to see as you start, search out Scripture, and, there, and there's a lot more that we could talk about, but as you begin to search out Scripture you begin to see that attendance, just being here, is the bare minimum. In Scripture, you never see people being pew potatoes. And we talked about being a, a couch potato or a pew potato in, in the Bible class when we were talking about this, uh, this subject there too, talking about some of the illustrations that God uses for membership in the body. But we can't be pew potatoes. We were set here to work. We need to be about that work. Um, so we need to seek Jesus' interest above our own. And so what are the benefits of being an active member in the local congregation? The work is just too big for one person or for one group. I can't do it on my own. You can't do it on your own. We need each other. I would get, I would get discouraged very quickly. I would... Um, I would lose my way very quickly uh, unless I was surrounded by people who were co-workers. You hear that word a lot in Scripture. Paul will use it time and time again. In fact, in Romans chapter 16, he's got a laundry list of people, 16 or 20 people that he would consider as co-workers in the gospel, people who are side by side with him, striving to do Jesus' will, to seek his interests. We need that. Uh, we need co-workers. We have to be involved with works that are bigger than one person can handle. When we do that, you begin to capture a vision for the church that is so much bigger than what you're thinking it is. You begin to see God's plan and what's, what He's capable of doing through this congregation. You capture that. I put that as the number one benefit because I think that's the number one benefit. Because you see things differently. He's transformed your mind so that you can see what he's capable of doing. So you can see what this congregation's capable of doing. And you find all these holes, all these opportunities to serve and to change things for the better, right? And instead of saying, why isn't somebody else doing that? You say, I want in on that because it's good for me to serve and to help and to be an active church member. A lot of times when we hear obligations and responsibilities, we think, oh, I don't like those words. Those are, those are hard, you know. That's, that's work. It is. But the, 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 the goodness that comes out of obligations and responsibilities, so worth it. He changes your mind and you begin to see a myriad of possibilities 
in the church and what he's capable of doing. I think that's the number one benefit. I think there are a ton others. Um, finding others who are just as committed as you are is a rare treat in this world. That's what the church is. That's one of the benefits of being active uh, in this congregation is you get to see all kinds of other people who are just as committed as you are to this work and to this ministry and to God. You know that they will not retreat, they will not quit, and they will continue going no matter what, right? One of the illustrations that uh, God will use for us is that of a soldier. If you've ever been in a battle and they talk about foxholes and uh, how, how nasty the battles get and sometimes people desert. Some people, people leave the ranks, right? He's saying, not the church. You look around you and you see all kinds of people who are just as committed to this ministry and to the Father as you are. And you know what happens in the midst of that? You look at them and say, yes, you're my friend. You're, we share this similar interest. And there's not really any other relationship like that, is there? When you can look at someone and say, I'm, we're on the same page. Um, there's, there's power there. There's commitment there. There's, that's a good thing. That's one of the benefits of being a member of the local congregation here is you see this commitment and it drives you farther and faster and bigger, right? It, it takes you. It opens up your world, your vision of what God can do. And it pushes you on to be even more committed, to dream even bigger for God. One of the other blessings, one of the benefits of being a local church member is the community, right? We hear our world talk, <clears throat> talk a lot about community and the necessity of community, and they're right, right? We were never made to be alone. Remember during... Uh, COVID and our quarantines and you guys, were just, we, were, we were all just sitting at our houses looking at our spouses and our children and thinking, I love you guys, but I would love to see someone else's face. You know, like, I just want to talk to someone else. I just want to be around other people. We were made for community and so this is important. Being around each other is important. Being in um, intimate relationships with each other where we share and where we love and where we hurt with each other. These are important, integral things in the local body of Christ. One of the things you get along with that is accountability, though. Not everyone will tell you when you're being harmful to yourself, will they? There's a proverb, uh, having problems remembering the exact verse right now, but he said, open rebuke is better than secret love. Open rebuke, when someone tells you that you're doing something wrong to your face, maybe in front of a crowd, that's better than someone who loves you in secret. Have you found that to be the truth? Have you found that to be the case? I certainly have. If someone loves me enough to say, what you're doing is out of step with the truth of the gospel, you're my friend. You've done a service to me. You haven't hurt me. Maybe you have, but it's been for my benefit, right? You find that in the local church and you don't find it anywhere else. You don't find any of these things anywhere else. You can't join a country club, you can't join a group, you can't join a fraternity, you can't join anybody, any other group where these benefits are true. Only true in the local church. So you found accountability, you find 
people that will push you to greater depths of spirituality. You'll find uh, mentors for your children, right? You'll find mentors for yourself. You'll find people that push you to be better, more Christ-like. And so there are a lot of benefits. That's just three or four. But there are a lot of benefits to being in the local church, to being a member, being an active member. Because when we think of membership in the local church, we, Scripture never talks about the people who just come on Sundays or Wednesdays or even Sunday nights and fill a pew. That's unknown in Scripture. These are folks who are working for Him. Attendance is the bare minimum. It's, it can never be where we just stay. That's, that's never going to be enough. There has to be work to back up this faith. That's what James would say, right? You show me your, you show me your, your, uh, your faith, but you don't have works. Your faith's dead. It's useless. There's nothing there. So there are all kinds of benefits to being a member in the local church. Let me ask you another question, though. What benefit does the church get from me being a member? Have you ever thought about that? What benefit does the church get from me being a member? Let me phrase it. We don't, we don't often think like that. So I think the question in and of itself is helpful for us. But let me ask you another question that will bring you probably to your knees. Was Paul beneficial to the church? Absolutely, right? Integral. Am I that beneficial? Am I trying to be that beneficial? Or am I trying to fill a pew? Attendance is good. We want you here. And this congregation is amazing and awesome. And we have so much potential. We can do so many good things. We've done so many good things. And we're headed in the right direction. But if we all fire on the same, at the same time, right? If we all work together, all of us work together. What's this congregation capable of? I don't know. Amazing things, I'm sure of, though. Incredible things that God blesses and that God honors and that God is behind. And I'm excited to see where he takes us. Thinking of Paul being beneficial to the church. Paul's a teacher, right? We, we need more people to teach us. Teachers, we're familiar with this idea from James. Teachers incur a stricter judgment, but we need people who are going to put the church before themselves, right? You need people who put the church before themselves. Like Jeremiah, we need people who can't not teach. Jeremiah's got a, he, he would say, a fire inside of his bones. And when he tries to hold it back, it just bursts forth. He can't stop it, right? We need we need that. We need people who put the church before ourselves. It's not that you have some sort of special talent or some sort of special ability with teaching. It's that our congregation needs teachers, and you see a hole where you can fill, and so you jump in and say, I, I, can, I can help here. You see a need, and you meet it because the church flourishing is better than me getting to do what I want. This kind of, these obligations and these responsibilities, they take time and they take money and they take a lot of different things, right? And a lot of that comes from us. 
He says it's so, so worth it to pay this price, to be a local church member. It's more than just coming. It's more than just having your name in the directory. It's so much more than that. It's the work. So I sacrificed my weekends to prepare for class on Sunday mornings. Um, Instead of doing something else, you sacrifice so that you can bless the church, so the church can flourish. Epaphroditus is another good example of a guy who was beneficial to the church. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says he nearly died for the work of the church. Am I that devoted to it? I better be. This is how integral, how important the local church membership is. It's more than just coming. It's the work. It's the love. It's seeing a hole and filling it. No matter whether you have a special ability in this regard or not, it's, it's the mindset that's important, right? Epaphroditus, we're not told that he had the fastest horse uh, or that he had all this money to be able to go leave his job in uh, Philippi and go to uh, where Paul's at in prison. We're not told any of those things. Epaphroditus just goes. And so we're left to assume that here's a guy who sees a hole, who sees an opportunity, and he takes it. He jumps on it. We need people like that who see an opportunity to make the church better, and you jump on it. That's the kind of mindset we need. People who want to work, who love the work, who are willing to put ourselves on the back burner so that the church can flourish. You know, you think about uh, the parable Jesus told about the five-talent guy, the two-talent guy, and the one-talent man. You remember the story? The five-talent man doubled his, his, uh, his, uh, his money, uh, and when the master came back, he was excited. He was thankful for what this guy had done. And the guy got the reward, right? He got to enter into the blessings of his master. The two-talent man has not nearly the resources that the, uh, that the original man has. But what happens? He also worked, didn't he? And he got the exact same reward. There was no, the master didn't say, well, you've only got two talents. Bless your heart. That's... I guess you can come in. He didn't treat the two-talent guy any different than he treated the five-talent guy, right? So I'm not saying some of of you guys are crazy talented, way, way, way more talented in a lot of respects and in a lot of different areas than than some of the rest of us. Being talented is great. That just means you see more holes to fill. Some of us only have one or two talents, right? And so we only see a couple of holes to fill in. So we say, oh, I can work here, right? The great thing about this is you get to enter into the joy of your master just like the five-talent, just like the two-talent man did. What's the problem with the one-talent man? It wasn't that he had less resources. It's that he had less gumption. He didn't want to work, right? Here's a guy who was afraid, and so he hid his talents. He's a, he's a pew potato, Right? And so he didn't get to come into the joy of his master. It had nothing to do with how talented he was. It had everything to do with how hard he was willing to work. I know that you're a worker. I've seen this congregation flourish under too much adversity for it not to. I think we're in a better situation now than we were pre-COVID. How about that? Right? 
I think God can do some incredible things to this congregation. I think we're doing a good job. I think we can do better. I think each one of us needs to be fighting in the same direction because each one of us have talents and every one of us has an obligation to serve in the local church, to not just have your name on the directory, to not just fill up you, but to actually get at the work. The benefits and the blessings are there. Let's get to work. Today, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, that's the very first step to becoming a part of His family, to have your sins washed away, to become a part of His body, to get this work that we've been talking about today. Maybe you've already made that decision and you just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God wants you to be. If you have any this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing.
Good morning, church family. A couple announcements before we are dismissed. Uh, last week was another great week. Uh, remember we had the Fort Hill uh, crew here. Uh, we had a total of 52 kids at Shauna's house. Thank you uh, to the Leaps for opening your home to us and uh, hosting uh, all those all those great kids. So uh, thank you so much for that. Um, also, Friday, Chris had a Peru meeting. If you're in, um, they're heading to Peru for a mission trip, and they got a little taste of Peru food. Um, so uh, let me know how what you thought of Peru food. Um, I'm kind of interested in that. But uh, so that was a lot of fun. And also, we had a small group go to Ronald McDonald's house. Um, to serve spaghetti to about 25 people. So the church is still active and still alive. So uh, please get involved where you can. Uh, as Gary mentioned this morning, we have preacher rotation uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. Mark Day will be our guest speaker. And then after that, we'll have a high school and middle school devotional at my house. Uh, Wednesday, there will be an elders meeting. Um, ladies, it's not too late to sign up for if you're planning on going to Pigeon Forge for the Ladies Conference, Transform. And uh, uh, Pigeon Forge on October 14th through the 16th, uh, registration uh, deadline is tomorrow, the 15th. So you have till tomorrow to sign up if you're planning on going, ladies. Um, Registration fee is $85. Uh, Please see Kelly Williams if you want to go. Uh, if you're interested and you're not quite sure on how to sign up, please uh, see her uh, so that way she can help you with that. Um, it's an opportunity for all the ladies to get together and talk and, and just fellowship with and build relationships with one another, and that's so important. Um, so please sign up for that if you're wanting to go to that, ladies. Also, Young at Heart is this Tuesday at 1030. Um, please sign up on bulletin board if you're planning on going to that. Also, fifth quarter, uh, we, were, we will be starting fifth quarter August 19th after the Fairland home games. There's five home games this year. And um, so we'll be doing fifth quarter uh, from 9.30 to 11.30. And what that is is that after the football game's over, we will have the football team and their friends over here at the building uh, we'll play Halo Ball, Cornhole, uh, have an old NES system. Kids can play that and also watch the highlights from WSAZ that night as well um, for after the game. But just a great time, and we will feed the kids. So um, kids are always hungry after that. So uh, do, I do encourage all our kids to come to that. Uh, there's also Polishing the Pulpit August 17th through the 25th. If you're interested in going to that, please see Chris. Um, also, uh, Friday, August 26th, will be game night. Uh, if you play Rook, if you play uh, Spades, whatever it is that you play, uh, please bring your games, Uno. Uh, it's a great time to get together, and that's from 7 to 9. Um, I mean, even if you play Solitaire, you can, you can play by yourself, uh, cards. Uh, we'd just love to have you uh, hang out with us. But, um, so that's from 7 to 9. Uh, updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Lisa and Hank um, in your prayers as they deal with COVID and as Lisa's uh, dealing with cancer at this time. Remember, continue to keep Terry Haynes in your prayers. She came home from the hospital on Thursday, uh, so remember her in your prayers. Kathy Walls has asked for prayers. She's having 
hip replacement uh, next or this week and has asked for prayers that uh, everything goes well and um, we all hope that things go well and uh, so keep her in your prayers this week and also remember to continue to keep Jennifer Baker in your prayers as she undergoes her cancer treatments and remember to continue to keep Janie and Glenna, Glenn and Judge in your prayers that's uh, Chad's mom and dad uh, in your prayers as well and keep Vicki Bowen in your prayers as well and um, remember all those all the kids are starting school this week uh, they start back Thursday college kids are probably leaving Thursday or Friday and move back into their dorms so remember all them in your prayers as they head back to school that they get there safely and that they follow God's word and uh, they set a, an example and shining light within our community uh, that's all the announcements I have uh, looking forward to seeing everybody again this evening at 6 o'clock, we'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. If you would, let's stand, and then we'll sing number 8. Okay, stand, we'll sing number 841. Sing and be happy, 841. If the skies above you are gray, you are
Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful this day for the opportunity to meet together with brothers and sisters of like faith and to praise your name and to worship you in spirit and truth. We're thankful, Lord, for every blessing in life that you have given to us. We, we ask you, Lord, to let us remember those that cannot be here today because of sickness or, or other reasons, Lord. We ask you to bless them and help us to encourage them. Lord, we pray that we, we thank you for the, those that are visitors today, the, the extended church family that we have here, and we ask you to bless them as they travel back and forth. Lord, go with us this day and help us to always lift up the name of Jesus Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 